There are so many ways that we as childhood trauma survivors take on responsibility for the trauma. And I've talked about this in a variety of ways at different times. Today, I want to address a question from a community member about grooming and how that can create a sense of responsibility. Welcome to the Courageous Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Peggy Oliveira, former trauma therapist and survivor of childhood trauma. I am so glad you're here. Grab your favorite beverage, get settled in, and let's take this journey together. As I've said before, whatever our experience is, we will find a way. It's really quite amazing how we're able to do these mental gymnastics and manipulation in our own mind to find a way to blame ourselves. It's kind of quite impressive that we have the capacity to be able to do that. Obviously, unfortunately, it creates a lot of damage. It is certainly not helpful to us, at least not later in life, but it does serve a purpose during the time that you're experiencing it, and particularly when you have no power to change anything about it. So I want to be clear, there's no shame in that. Um, and really, it is something that you can recognize as an incredible strength to have the ability to be able to do that. So with this question, she said, um, she asked about doing a video about how a perpetrator can make somebody feel like they are a part of it, that they are involved, that they're choosing to experience it. And this is something that happens so often. I would say more often than not. And it doesn't have to be overt. It doesn't even have to be a perpetrator saying, well, you've done this, which tells me that you want this. That certainly does happen. But even without those words being spoken or something similar to that, by actions, theirs and ours, our inaction, we view that as us choosing. And it's not, and I'll try to talk a little bit about that too. I just don't want this video to go too long, but I'll try to talk about that as well. So I have heard from so many different people over the years a variety of ways that people will blame themselves. And for this particular video, some of the things I want to talk about are suggesting, the perpetrator suggesting that you are like so grown up, you're so special, whatever it is, they say things to try to get you to feel like, what they're doing is because of who you are and that it's a good thing and that um, because of you being so grown up or looking so grown up or being so different than other people, that that is a good thing and you're being chosen as a result of those things. And there's a lot of reasons why that works. And again, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of that right now, but that can be a big part of it. There's a lot of times that they try to make you feel special. And as children, we all desire to feel special. It's part of how we get a sense of who we are and that we're okay enough and safe in the world. So that's natural. 
That's a natural part of development. And perpetrators use that as a way to manipulate people into believing that they are somehow a part of the abuse. Um, Sometimes people are given choices. Now, that can look a lot of different ways. It could be today we'll do this or we'll do this. You decide. Neither of them good. But in it being perceived that you're given a choice, we then internalize that as, well, I chose that. But it's not really a choice, is it? So many people have shared about being given extra time, gifts, money, a variety of things that seem like you are exchanging the abuse. So you're willing to go along with the abuse for this thing that you get. And that is something that we can very easily hold on to because again, it seems like it's a choice. And it also seems like, oh my God, what the hell is wrong with me that I did that thing in exchange for this. So money, extra toys, gifts, candy, those kinds of things are pretty common. And so then people are left with, I participated in this. I allowed this. I did this for some candy or some money. And sometimes it's something really small, objectively small. And sometimes it could be something objectively pretty big. But no matter what it is, the person, the survivor, will view it equally and blame themselves, shame themselves, feel like they are a horrible person for doing this thing, in air quotes, for whatever they got in return. And that really is such a difficult thing for people to be able to work through. Um, and another thing that came up in this question was kind of being able to negotiate. And again, while, while it's very easy for a survivor to take that as I was a participant, I engaged in this conversation leading to the outcome of what happened. And therefore, it's my fault. Therefore, I chose it which is so not true. And something, and I say this, I've said this to clients before, but you are, as a child, in a situation that you really have no control over, particularly depending on the nature of the relationship you have with this person. You certainly do not feel as though you have any control. And particularly if it's been an ongoing situation, it's inevitable that it's going to happen, right? And you may not be able to recognize any sort of specific conscious thought pattern. Like if you reflect back, you may not be aware of any specific thoughts that you had about, well, this is just inevitable, so I guess I should make the most of it or anything like that. But it's about survival. That's all that's happening at that particular time. That's what matters. 
is survival, getting through the day, getting through the experience so that you can pretend that everything is okay and go on with your life, knowing that it's going to happen again. So as a child, when you have the ability to negotiate, to recognize that you have some aspect of, I'm not going to say power because it really isn't power, because the only power you have is given to you by that person, but to feel like you have a choice in something when you really don't, but to feel that you do and to grab a hold of that, that is strength. That is resilience. That is not evidence that you wanted it. It's not evidence that you participated in it. One of the things that I hear so often, aside from any sort of grooming type of thing, is when people, as part of their abuse experience, and trigger warning here, um, when people are made to do something within that experience, and again, that could mean a lot of different things, but one of the things that survivors will often return to as evidence, so-called evidence, that they participate in, that they are responsible, at least in part, is that they did that thing, whatever that thing might be. It could even be sitting on somebody's lap. And it could be much more than that. But they look at that as, I did that thing. I did that. And therefore, I am at fault. What does that say about me that I did that? And what I always say to people Well, there's a lot of things that I say about that. But one of the things that I say to people is you had the capacity to recognize that maybe you got to make some sort of choice that made it get over more quickly, that you were able to get something out of the experience. You had the capacity for that. You had the ability to be able to do that. That does not make you a participant It makes you somebody who was able to be clear-headed enough to choose the thing that felt the least harming. And there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed in with that. And I hear so many people fight against that, having a hard time accepting that. And I get that because when we feel like we've actually participated in some way, That seems like irrefutable evidence that we must have wanted it, that there's something wrong with us that made this person recognize that they could do this or that I would go along with it or whatever it is. But it says nothing about you other than your capacity to survive it, your resilience in it. And of course, those things are there for people that aren't getting anything or aren't doing things specifically. But for people that are in that situation, you're taking that as evidence that it's your fault, and it is not. And I truly cannot tell you how many people have shared so many different types of things that they hold on to, that they believe. Like People have even referred to themselves as whores and prostitutes and different things like that because they took something like candy or more time more affection even for doing, again in quotes, 
or participating in something. So they view it in that way, but it is not even remotely close. When you are a child, you do not have the choices that you think that you did, but that perpetrator wants you to believe that you did because then you are taking on in his view and in your view or her view and your view. You're seeing that as a choice that you are making. And if you believe that you are participating, you're going to feel more shame about that for one thing. But then the idea of you telling anybody is really completely off the table because what are you going to tell them? In your mind, again, you may not consciously be thinking this, particularly depending on age, but in your mind, what are you going to tell them? That you did this thing with this person? Well, no, because even without the idea of even saying anything, we feel so much shame and fear about not being believed anyway. And if you then feel like you're a participant in it, you're absolutely not going to say anything, which is why they do it, why they exchange things. Again, it could be time and attention. It doesn't have to be something that you can physically hold in your hand. Sometimes it's even threats. It could be a threat to harm you or somebody else. And even in that situation, people will see it as a choice. Well, I went ahead and did it or allowed it or whatever. And even in that situation, they will blame themselves because they chose to participate. But that's not really a choice, is it? And if you can see that, that that isn't really a choice. What's happening internally in a child's mind, and when I'm saying child, I'm not just talking about a young child. Depending on the nature of the relationship, it could be into even potentially beyond childhood. In a child's mind, in a survivor's mind, when it's happened over time in particular, your sense of feeling any, any sort of power or control is gone. And a perpetrator will manipulate and use everything that they possibly can to control you, to make you believe that you are responsible somehow, because then they can use that as a way to assure that you do not tell. I have worked with clients individually who have worked with me for quite a while before they feel ready to share things like that with me because they carry so much shame around it. They believe so deeply that they are at fault that they can't imagine that if they shared it with somebody that that person would not blame them, that they that person would not see them as being culpable in what they experienced. And this is part of the reason why when there are things that we feel a lot of shame around, it is so important to be able to speak about that shame. Doesn't mean you have to have a lot of really long, drawn-out conversations about it, but it is something that because you believe it so strongly within yourself, it is something that becomes important for you to have a lived experience in recognizing that somebody can know this about you and not blame you. 
And that's another reason why it's important to be mindful about who you are sharing with. Because unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there who would blame somebody in situations like that. But that doesn't make it any more real or true. So if you do decide to share with somebody, certainly a therapist who has experience working with survivors, is often a good place to start. Maybe a friend who has shared some similar types of things with you. And maybe you wait a while, quite a while, before you share that. But secrecy breeds shame. It intensifies shame. And in another episode, I talked about a source of significant shame in terms of having more than one perpetrator. And that is also something that is something that we have to be able to name And again, people take on so much responsibility for that. And this is part of the reason why we have so much responsibility that we take on because there are so many avenues that we can look at that point to, it has to be my fault. But none of it ever is your fault. And anything that you did or did not do as a child, again, through your entire childhood, So even up until 18 years old, and even beyond that, I just want to be clear that I'm including all those teenage years as a child, because a lot of times people think of a child as being like somebody under the age of five or under the age of like 10. But again, depending on the nature of the relationship with that perpetrator, your developing mind, which continues to develop into your 20s, Your developing mind in many ways when it's ongoing abuse, just because you turn 15 years old doesn't mean that you suddenly now have this new capacity to look at everything so differently. Absolutely not. You're going to continue to look at it in the same ways. In fact, the more time that goes on, the more those ideas are reinforced, the more that shame and responsibility is reinforced. Even if the abuse has stopped, because it still plays out in a variety of ways in our mind. So no matter what the circumstance, no matter what you have said to yourself, no matter what somebody else has said to you that has made you believe that somehow you were a part of it, you wanted it, you had control of it, or that you were responsible for it, it's all a lie. Never, under any circumstance, Could you be responsible for it? Never. Let yourself take that in. If this is something that you have ever struggled with, and again, the things that we can come up with to point to, well, I made that choice, or I didn't do this, and therefore I made him believe that it was okay or that I wanted it. No, absolutely not. So whatever you've been holding on to, it's safe now to let that go, because you have never been responsible. And it's important to be able to put that responsibility where it belongs. Remember, not our shame. No matter what you've been holding on to to make yourself believe that it is yours, it is not and it never has been. I'd love to hear from you. Share what has come up. Can you relate? What have you held on to? as a source of you being able to believe that you are responsible. 
Can you practice letting yourself take in what I shared here today? Thank you so much for spending this time and sharing this space with me. Together, we heal. Make sure to subscribe. And if you haven't yet, make sure to leave a review. I'll look forward to connecting with you next time.